Section 8 of Institutes of the Christian Religion, Book 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Bill Mosley. Institutes of the Christian Religion, Book 4, by John Calvin. Translated by Henry Beveridge. Chapter 5, Part 1. The ancient form of government utterly corrupted by the tyranny of the papacy. This chapter consists of two parts. Roman numeral 1. Who are called to the ministry under the papacy, their character, and the ground of their appointment. Sections 1 through 7. Roman numeral 2. How far they fulfill their office. Sections 8 through 19. Sections 1. Who and what kind of persons are uniformly appointed bishops in the papacy? 1. No inquiry into doctrine. 2. In regard to character, the unlearned and dissolute boys, or men of wicked lives, chosen. 2. The right of the people taken away, though maintained by Leo, Cyprian, and councils. It follows that there is no canonical election in the papacy. Two objections answered. Papal elections. What kind of persons elected? 3. A fuller explanation of the answer to the second objection. Unfolding the Errors of People, Bishops, and Princes 4. No Election of Presbyters and Deacons in the Papacy Subsections 1. Because they are ordained for a different end 2. Contrary to the command of Scripture and the Council of Chalcedon No station is assigned them 3. Both the name and thing adulterated by a thousand frauds. Section 5. Refutation of those corruptions. Proper end of ordination. Of trial and other necessary things. For these, wicked and sanguinary men have substituted vain show and deplorable blindness. 6. Second corruption relating to the assignation of benefices, which they call collation. Manifold abuses here exposed. Why the offices of priests are in the papacy called benefices. 7. One individual appointed over five or six churches. This most shameful corruption severely condemned by many councils. 8. Second part of the chapter, viz., how the office is discharged. Monks who have no place among presbyters. Objection answered. 9. Presbyters divided into beneficiaries and mercenaries. The beneficiaries are bishops, parsons, canons, chaplains, abbots, priors. The mercenaries condemned by the word of God. 10. 
the name of beneficiaries given to idle priests who perform no office in the church. Objection answered. What kind of persons the canons should be? Another objection answered. The beneficiaries, not true presbyters. 11. The bishops and rectors of parishes, by deserting their churches, glory only in an empty name. 12. The seeds of this evil in the age of Gregory, who inveighs against mercenaries, more sharply rebuked by Bernard. 13. The supreme popish administration described ridiculous allegation of those so-called ministers of the church. Answer. 14. Their shameful morals scarcely one who would not have been excommunicated or deposed by the ancient canons. 15. No true diaconate existing in the papacy, though they have still the shadow of it. Corruption of the practice of the primitive church in regard to deacons. 16. Ecclesiastical property, which was formerly administered by true deacons, plundered by bishops and canons, in defraud of the poor. 17. Blasphemous defense of these robbers. Answer. Kings doing homage to Christ. Theodosius. A saying of Ambrose. 18. Another defense with regard to the adorning of churches. Answer. 19. Concluding answer, showing that the diaconate is completely subverted by the papacy. 1. It may now be proper to bring under the eye of the reader the order of church government observed by the Roman See and all its satellites, and the whole of that hierarchy which they have perpetually in their mouths and compare it with the description we have given of the primitive and early church, that the contrast may make it manifest what kind of church those have who plume themselves on the very title as sufficient to outweigh, or rather overwhelm us. It will be best to begin with the call, that we may see who are called to the ministry, with what character, and on what grounds. Thereafter we will consider how far they faithfully fulfill their office. We shall give the first place to the bishops. Would that they would claim the honor of holding the first rank in this discussion. But the subject does not allow me even to touch it lightly without exposing their disgrace. Still, let me remember in what kind of writing I am engaged and not allow my discourse which ought to be framed for simple teaching, to wander beyond its proper limits. But let any of them, who have not laid aside all modesty, tell me what kind of bishops are uniformly elected in the present day. Any examination of doctrine is too old-fashioned. But if any respect is had to doctrine, they make choice of some lawyer, who knows better how to plead in the forum than to preach in the church. 
This much is certain, that for a hundred years scarcely one in a hundred has been elected who had any acquaintance with sacred doctrine. I do not spare former ages because they were much better, but because the question now relates only to the present church. If morals be inquired into, we shall find few or almost none whom the ancient canons would not have judged unworthy. If one was not a drunkard, he was a fornicator. If one was free from this vice, he was either a gambler or sportsman or a loose liver in some respect. For there are lighter faults, which, according to the ancient canons, exclude from the Episcopal office. But the most absurd thing of all is that even boys scarcely ten years of age are, by the permission of the Pope, made bishops. Such is the effrontery and stupidity to which they have arrived, that they have no dread even of that last and monstrous iniquity which is altogether abhorrent even from natural feeling. Hence it appears what kind of elections these must have been when such supine negligence existed. 2. Then in election, the whole right has been taken from the people. Vows, assents, subscriptions, and all things of this sort have disappeared. The whole power has been given to the canons alone. First they confer the Episcopal office on whomsoever they please. By and by they bring him forth into the view of the people, but it is to be adored, not examined. But Leo protests that no reason permits this, and declares it to be a violent imposition. Cyprian, after declaring it to be of divine authority, that election should not take place without the consent of the people, shows that a different procedure is at variance with the word of God. Numerous decrees of councils most strictly forbid it to be otherwise done, and if done, order it to be null. If this is true, there is not throughout the whole papacy in the present day any canonical election in accordance either with divine or ecclesiastical law. Now, were there no other evil in this, what excuse can they give for having robbed the church of her right? But the corruption of the times required, they say, that since hatred and party spirit prevailed with the people and magistrates in the election of bishops, more than right and sound judgment. The determination should be confined to a few. Allow that this was the last remedy in desperate circumstances. When the cure was seen to be more hurtful than the disease, why was not a remedy provided for this new evil? But it is said that the course which the canons must follow is strictly prescribed. But can we doubt that even in old times the people, on meeting to elect a bishop, were aware that they were bound by the most sacred laws, when they saw a rule prescribed by the word of God? 
that one sentence in which god describes the true character of a bishop ought justly to be of more weight than ten thousand canons nevertheless carried away by the worst of feelings they had no regard to law or equity so in the present day though most excellent laws have been made they remain buried in writing meanwhile the general and approved practice is and it is carried on as it were systematically that drunkards fornicators gamblers are everywhere promoted to this honor nay this is little bishoprics are the rewards of adulterers and panders for when they are given to hunters and hawkers things may be considered at the best to excuse such unworthy procedure in any way were to be wicked overmuch the people had a most excellent canon prescribed to them by the word of god viz that a bishop must be blameless apt to teach not a brawler etc first timothy three two why then was the province of electing transferred from the people to these men just because among the tumults and factions of the people the word of god was not heard and on the other hand why is it not in the present day transferred from these men who not only violate all laws but having cast off shame libidinously avariciously and ambitiously mix and confound things human and divine three but it is not true to say that the thing was devised as a remedy we read that in old times tumults often arose in cities at the election of bishops yet no one ever ventured to think of depriving the citizens of their right for they had other methods by which they could either prevent the fault or correct it when committed i will state the matter as it truly is when the people began to be negligent in making their choice and left the business as less suited to them to the presbyters these abused the opportunity to usurp a domination which they afterwards established by putting forth new canons ordination is now nothing else than a mere mockery for the kind of examination of which they make a display is so empty and trifling that it even entirely wants the semblance therefore when sovereigns by paction with the roman pontiffs obtained for themselves the right of nominating bishops the church sustained no new injury because the canons were merely deprived of an election which they had seized without any right or acquired by stealth nothing indeed can be more disgraceful than that bishops should be sent from courts to take possession of churches and pious princes would do well to desist from such corruption for there is an impious spoliation of the church whenever any people have a bishop intruded whom they have not asked 
or at least freely approved. But that disorderly practice, which long existed in churches, gave occasion to sovereigns to assume to themselves the presentation of bishops. They wished the benefice to belong to themselves, rather than to those who had no better right to it, and who equally abused it. 4. Such is the famous call, on account of which bishops boast that they are the successors of the apostles. They say, moreover, that they alone can competently appoint presbyters. But herein they most shamefully corrupt the ancient institution, that they by their ordination appoint not presbyters to guide and feed the people, but priests to sacrifice. In like manner, when they consecrate deacons, they pay no regard to their true and proper office, but only ordain to certain ceremonies concerning the cup and patent. But in the Council of Chalcedon it was, on the contrary, decreed that there should be no absolute ordinations, that is, ordinations without assigning to the ordained a place where they were to exercise their office. This decree is most useful for two reasons. First, that churches may not be burdened with superfluous expense, nor idle men receive what ought to be distributed to the poor. And secondly, that those who are ordained may consider that they are not promoted merely to an honorary office but entrusted with a duty which they are solemnly bound to discharge. But the Roman authorities, who think that nothing is to be cared for in religion but their belly, consider the first title to be a revenue adequate to their support, whether it be from their own patrimony or from the priesthood. Accordingly, when they ordain presbyters or deacons, without any anxiety as to where they ought to minister. They confer the order, provided those ordained are sufficiently rich to support themselves. But what man can admit that the title which the degree of the council requires is an annual revenue for sustenance? Again, when more recent canons made bishops liable in the support of those whom they had ordained without a fit title, that they might thus repress too great facility, a method was devised of eluding the penalty, for he who is ordained promises that whatever be the title named, he will be contented with it. In this way he is precluded from an action for aliment. I say nothing of the thousand frauds which are here committed, as when some falsely claim the empty titles of beneficies, from which they cannot obtain a sixpence of revenue, and others by secret stipulation obtain a temporary appointment, which they promise that they will immediately restore, but sometimes do not there are still more mysteries of the same kind. 5. But although these grosser abuses were removed, 
is it not at all times absurd to appoint a presbyter without assigning him a locality for when they ordain it is only to sacrifice but the legitimate ordination of a presbyter is to the government of the church while deacons are called to the charge of alms it is true many papa ceremonies are used to disguise the act but mere show may excite veneration of the simple but what effect can these semblances have upon men of sound minds when beneath them there is nothing solid or true they use ceremonies either borrowed from judaism or devised by themselves from these it were better if they would abstain of the trial for it is unnecessary to say anything of the shadow which they retain of the consent of the people of other necessary things there is no mention by shadow i mean those ridiculous gesticulations framed in inept and frigid imitation of antiquity the bishops have their vicars who previous to ordination inquire into doctrine but what is the inquiry is it whether they are able to read their missals or whether they can decline some common noun which occurs in the lesson or conjugate a verb or give the meaning of some one word for it is not necessary to give the sense of a single sentence and yet even those who are deficient in these puerile elements are not repelled provided they bring the recommendation of money or influence of the same nature is the question which is thrice put in an unintelligible voice when the persons who are to be ordained are brought to the altar viz are they worthy of the honor one who never saw them but has his part in the play that no form may be wanting answers they are worthy what can you accuse in these venerable fathers save that by indulging in such sacrilegious sport they shamelessly laugh at god and man but as they have long been in possession of the thing they think they have now a legal title to it for any one who ventures to open his lips against these palpable and flagrant iniquities is hurried off to a capital trial like one who had in old time divulged the mysteries of ceres would they act thus if they had any belief in a god six then in the collation of benefices which was formerly conjoined with ordination but is now altogether separate how much better do they conduct themselves but they have many reasons to give for it is not bishops alone who confer the office of priests and even in their case where they are called collators they have not always the full right but others have the presentation while they only retain the honorary title of collations to these are added nominations from schools 
resignations, either simple or by way of exchange, commendatory rescripts, preventions, and the like. But they all conduct themselves in such a way that one cannot upbraid another. I maintain that, in the papacy in the present day, scarcely one benefice in a hundred is conferred without simony, as the ancients have defined it. I say not that all purchase for a certain sum, but show me one in twenty who does not attain to the priesthood by some sinister method. Some owe their promotion to kindred or affinity, others to the influence of their parents, while others procure favor by obsequiousness. In short, the end for which the offices are conferred is that provision may be made not for churches, but for those who receive them. Accordingly, they call them benefices, by which name they sufficiently declare that they look on them in no other light than as the largesses by which princes either court the favor or reward the services of their soldiers. I say nothing of the fact that these rewards are conferred on barbers, cooks, grooms, and dross of that sort. At present, indeed, there are no cases in law courts which make a greater noise than those concerning sacerdotal offices, so that you may regard them as nothing else than game set before dogs to be hunted. Is it tolerable even to hear the name of pastors given to those who have forced their way into the possession of a church as into an enemy's country, who have evicted it by forensic brawls, who have bought it for a price, who have labored for it by sordid psychophancy, who, while scarcely lisping boys, have obtained it like heritage from uncles and relatives. Sometimes even bastards obtain it from their fathers. 7. Was the licentiousness of the people, however corrupt and lawless, ever carried to such a height? But a more monstrous thing still is that one man, I say not what kind of man, but certainly one who cannot govern himself, is appointed to the charge of five or six churches. In the courts of princes in the present day, you may see youths who are thrice abbots, twice bishops, once archbishops. Everywhere are canons loaded with five, six, or seven cures, of not one of which they take the least charge, except to draw the income. I will not object that the word of God cries aloud against this. It has long ceased to have the least weight with them. I will not object that many councils denounce the severest punishment against this dishonest practice. These, too, when it suits them, they boldly contemn. But I say that it is monstrous wickedness altogether opposed to God, to nature, and to ecclesiastical government, that one thief should lie brooding over several churches, that the name of pastor should be given to one who, even if he were willing, could not be present among his flock, 
and yet such is their impudence they cloak these abominations with the name of church that they may exempt them from all blame nay if you please in these iniquities is contained that sacred succession to which as they boast it is owing that the church does not perish eight let us now see as the second mark for estimating a legitimate pastor how faithfully they discharge their office of the priests who are there elected some are called monks others seculars the former herd was unknown to the early church even to hold such a place in the church is so repugnant to the monastic profession that in old times when persons were elected out of monasteries to clerical offices they ceased to be monks and accordingly gregory though in his time there were many abuses did not suffer the offices to be thus confounded for he insists that those who have been appointed abbots shall resign the clerical office because no one can be properly at the same time a monk and a clerk the one being an obstacle to the other now were i to ask how he can well fulfil his office who is declared by the canons to be unfit what answer pray will they give they will quote those abortive decrees of innocent and boniface by which monks are admitted to the honour and power of the priesthood though they remain in their monasteries but is it at all reasonable that any unlearned ass as soon as he has seized upon the roman sea may by one word overturn all antiquity but of this matter afterwards let it now suffice that in the pure times of the church it was regarded as a great absurdity for a monk to hold the office of priest for jerome declares that he does not the office of priest while he is living among monks and ranks himself as one of the people to be governed by the priests but to concede this to them what duty do they perform some of the mendicants preach while all the other monks chant or mutter masses in their cells as if either our saviour had wished or the nature of the office permits presbyters to be made for such a purpose when scripture plainly testifies that it is the duty of a presbyter to rule his own church acts twenty twenty eight is it not impious profanation to transfer it to another purpose nay altogether to change the sacred institution of god for when they are ordained they are expressly forbidden to do what god enjoins on all presbyters for this is their cant let a monk contented with his cell neither presume to administer the sacraments nor hold any other public office let them deny if they can that it is open mockery of god when any one is appointed a presbyter in order to abstain from his proper and genuine office and when he who has the name is not able to have the thing
End of section eight. Recording by Bill Mosley, Frellsburg, Texas, USA.